It's the middle of summer, which means we're right in the thick of blockbuster movie season. A ton of movies, not, not Blockbuster, the company that went away, Blockbuster's like big, heroic, action-packed movies. So I want you to raise your hand if you or your kids or your grandkids saw Avengers Infinity War. Man, you guys aren't in the movies, huh? We'll, tr- we'll try again. If your kids, if you or your kids or your grandkids saw Incredibles 2, a little, little bit more. I'm glad my kids aren't in the room. They really want to see Incredibles too. Uh, they'll ask you to take them probably before the day's over. Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out. Any interest in seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp later in the summer? A little bit, a little bit. There's a new Mission Impossible movie coming out. Any interest in the new Mission Impossible movie? Great, great. When you think about movies, when you think about hero movies, superhero movies, what movies come to your mind? Deadpool. Deadpool. There you go. I'm not validating that one. I'm just saying. Uh, Someone else. What is it? Captain America. What else? Top Gun. Spider-Man. Thor. What's that? Dark Knight. We think about Braveheart or Chariots of Fire. They're all of these hero stories that we've watched their movies. And we've been... been impressed upon by them. They have, they have inspired something in us. And in the same way, the Jewish story, the Old Testament story, was full of hero stories, of hero narratives. We think about Daniel in the lion's den that Jordan led our children through, who was thrown into prison for his faith in God, or thrown into prison, thrown into a lion's den, miraculously survived a night without getting torn to shreds. Think about Moses leading the people through the Red Sea with water pressed on both sides, miraculously crossing on dry land in the middle of an ocean or middle of a sea to avoid an army pursuing him. We think about um, David slaying Goliath, this young shepherd boy defeating an undefeated, massive champion of battle. These were their stories that formed their imagination and their understanding of who God was and what God was capable of. And in the same way, what we're going to look at this morning is what I would call an early Christian hero story, an early church hero story that encourages us and encourages the church as they reflect back, as we reflect back on this story, for us to cling to God and to believe that he is both powerful and good, and that his character stands as he engages with his people. And so just like these movies about heroes and superheroes often form our children's imaginations, even our own imaginations, in the same way that in the Jewish story, their, their hero stories of old formed their understanding of who God was and how God worked. In the early church, we look at stories like the story we have today, and it starts to form our understanding about what it looks like to live with Jesus in the world and for Jesus to bring us into right working relationship with God. And so let's look at our text. We're in Acts chapter 12. The text will be on the screen. I encourage you to grab a Bible if you have a chance to walk along in the text yourself. Starting in verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belong to the church, intending to persecute them. So pause right there. 
Luke is sort of, Luke the author is sort of setting the stage for us to understand there was a time after the early church had started to grow in which a violent persecution broke out in the city of Jerusalem against Christians in, in sort of collaboration between the Jewish leaders and the Roman, local Roman government. They worked together to persecute Christians. And so verse 2 sort of orients us to what was going on. He had James the brother of John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So I know many of us can understand what it's like to do something and to feel like, oh yeah, people like that. I'm going to keep going. So Herod does this, and he seizes Peter. Peter is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so the idea is if we can get rid of this guy, maybe we can get rid of all of them. And then he goes on to say, this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So the historical reference to catch there is the Passover and the Festival of Unleavened Bread were the seasons in which the Jewish people celebrated God's miraculous rescue of their people out of Egypt like we looked at at Moses across the Red Sea. That is their celebration together as 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 a Jewish people of those events. And so Peter would have actually been executed on the spot when he was captured except for the Jewish law didn't allow them to execute during the Passover. So don't miss that it was because of celebrating God's rescue out of Egypt that he wasn't executed and then became to be rescued out of prison. And don't miss that this was exactly the same thing that Jesus experienced, that he was executed after the Passover. So as we have gone into this text, as we've gone into the book of Acts, what we've seen Starting in Pentecost, after Jesus' death and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit comes down to empower God's people, that they go through this journey where they keep bumping up against God doing the unexpected. Whether it's converting an Ethiopian eunuch, or or, or Philip, uh, Philip converting him, or Stephen being martyred, or whether it's their most hated enemy, Saul, being converted whether it's last week John looked at how Peter encounters a man named Cornelius and is challenged on what it means to be a faithful Jewish man, what he can eat and who he can have meals with, God does not want them to be comfortable. God keeps them on their toes. He keeps the early church guessing. And I know that they, like us, would love just to say, gosh, can't we just keep this private? Can't we just go to temple once a week and worship God and go home and have a good, safe, easy life? And it's telling that God does not allow that for them, that God is stirring and he's moving. And as they grow, as they expand, as they follow the Holy Spirit's lead, what we see is they bump up against what we'll call the world. They bump up against the world. And then when that happens, they experience all kinds of turbulence and persecution. They're being martyred and hunted down for their faith. John said last week, that many early Christians had to say that Jesus is Lord, and that means Caesar is not. And they said this at great cost to their lives and to their employment and to their families. They bumped up against the world, and it was a turbulent time. And in the midst of turbulent times, 
The church needs hero stories as reminders of who we are, to reorient us to who God is. In the Christian tradition, much like the Jewish tradition, the hero stories are actually just stories of very broken, ordinary, bumbling people who God uses to point not to them, but to himself. Meaning that Christian hero stories are actually about God being the hero of the story. So you and I, as church members, as Christ followers in 2018, we are people of the story of Peter trying to walk on water to Jesus and falling. We are people of Saul, so stubborn and assured that we are correct, that God has to strike him down and make him blind so that he wakes up and finally pays attention. We are people of Stephen the martyr who faced persecution and who was murdered for his faith. These are the stories of our history. These are the stories that call us to respond to God. And in our story today, we have a man named Peter who is in in prison for his faith, waiting on execution. And we are people of the miraculous escape of Peter. So we need hero stories to remind us of who we are and how God works in our lives uniquely in Jesus Christ. So what happens in this story? Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So that is probably the most important verse in this passage. The church was praying for Peter. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. He's he's making a point that he was heavily guarded. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to imagine that if if an angel with bright light miraculously appeared in the room with me, I would wake up a little quicker. Doesn't seem to affect Peter very much. He's obviously in a very comfortable, deep sleep. The angel said to him, verse 8, put on your clothes and sandals. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to tell someone, hurry up, get your shoes on, let's get out the door. Ring a bell? You ever have that experience? Get your coat on, let's go. Grab the keys, get the food, right? But the angel's having to tell Peter this, not going out the door to church, but to get out of the cell which he's being kept for his execution. So just so we're aware of what's happening here. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was having a dream. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then, then Peter came to himself. (laughs) Peter came to himself after all of that. So he's been sleepwalking. Just He's been sleepwalking. He said, now I know without a doubt 
that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Meaning the Jewish people were hoping that by getting Peter and executing Peter that they would cut off the Christian movement. So the important question for us, and I'll admit it's a bristly question, meaning that some of you will hear it and it'll, it'll rub you the wrong way, but bear with me. Is this primarily, primarily, a story about Peter's miraculous rescue? Or, if you had to choose, is it primarily a story about God demonstrating that his movement in the world would not be stopped by anything? I think the text gives us a hint here because it bends over backwards to show that Peter's miraculous escape was actually a work of God. It starts not with the church organizing some type of escape movement. It starts with the church seeking God's face and praying. And then Peter seems like he's bumbling and sleepwalking through the whole time. He's got to be poked in the side to get up. And that's why I feel comfortable calling this an early Christian hero story. Because it's not about Peter, it's about God. A Christian hero story points to something beyond the hero. The stories that the early church told themselves about who they were and how God worked were stories of ordinary, bumbling people like you and me that pointed to God and to Jesus, their Savior, and to the Holy Spirit who boldly empowered them. And this is why prayer is central to this story and central to our understanding of the Christian faith because prayer at its core, prayer is supposed to yield our lives to God. This past week, Bob Lupton from Atlanta, so Bob Lupton wrote a book called Toxic Charity that many people at CPC have read and been influenced by. Bob was in town and he shared with us an update from Nicaragua. So he's been working with OI Opportunity International, one of our partners in Nicaragua. And if you followed along in the news, they've had terrible civil unrest and violence in their country over the past few months. So Bob gave us an update and we prayed and one of the things he said was a silver lining for OI in this season has been that because the schools have been shut down, because the economy and the government and everything has just ground to a halt, so the schools have been shut down, but that has forced them to figure out how to do virtual education for some of these kids. They have set up routers and delivered computers and tablets, and they've been educating these kids who can't get to school in their homes. And, and virtual education is a great step for them. And, and he called it a silver lining. And I tell you that to say, none of us, none of us would say that God has caused massive civil unrest and under th over 300 deaths in Nicaragua in the last few months so that a tiny nonprofit and a small rural portion of the country could figure out virtual education. We wouldn't say God is doing that so that this would happen, right? But what we might say, what we might say is alongside Jesus that those who seek find, that those who knock have the door open, that those who ask receive, which is really a way of saying if you're looking for a solution, if you're looking for the truth, if you're looking for God, you'll find him. And so the early church did not see Peter miraculously rescued because they prayed correctly. 
or because they prayed hard enough. But because they were in prayer, when he was rescued, they were able to affirm that God is a rescuer. So we look back on this story and we can cling to that we can both boldly pray for rescue and we can also boldly cling to the truth that when rescue does not come, God is still powerful and good and in control. The truth is, Peter died. Peter was martyred for his faith, just not yet. And so the primary point of this story is not for the church to look back then or now and to say, boy, if we just prayed hard enough, we'd all be rescued. None of us would face hard times. The bad times would just go away. That's not the lesson here. The point is for the church, both then and now, to look back on this story and to look beyond Peter and to see that the thing that God was doing in the world refused to be snuffed out. It was so powerful, it refused to be locked up that God would prevail, that they worshiped and loved and were loved by a God who said, my story will not be ended. I will march forth and transform the lives of humans in history. That is the God that they worship and we worship. The story continues in verse 12. It said, when this had dawned on him, Peter, when Peter finally realized that he was not In fact, in a dream, he was being rescued. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people, other Christians, had gathered and were praying. So Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. You ever seen a scary movie? And you're like, don't open the door. Don't go down the stairs. Don't go outside. Don't go in that room. Rhoda, you have a fugitive who's running for his life, standing outside of the door. Rhoda, open the door. Oh, thank God for levity in these stories, right? Man. Peter kept on knocking. Sorry, verse 15. They said, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel, which is the author showing us that they were praying really hard for it, but didn't really expect it. (laughs) It must be his angel. Peter kept on knocking. He kept on knocking like you would if you went to a friend's house and you knocked on the door and they said, come on in, but they never let you in. You just keep knocking. (laughs) Oh, man. He kept on knocking. They opened the door. They saw him, and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He told the story, and he said, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and he left for another place. And then a little historical note to end the passage. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. And after Herod had thoroughly searched made a thorough search for him and did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So if you were a Roman soldier and you lost a prisoner, you had to suffer the same fate that prisoner was 
intended to suffer. The weird ending to this story disabuses us of any notion that this is just some happy Peter got rescued story. This is messy stuff. And, and it shows how God's work in the world uh, upends all kinds of our assumptions about what God's doing. And, and, and what we see is we often find ourselves saying we believe in Jesus, but not really able to trust that on a regular basis. I mean, do you ever struggle to trust that God is going to take care of you? To trust that God is good? That God will come through? If so, take heart. You're not alone. The early church had the same exact thing happen to them over and over and over. The thing is, we're often too distracted to catch the point of the hero story, which is to trust in God's capacity and God's intent. That our lives are messy, that things are not how we intend, but we are told stories like Peter's miraculous escape to remind us that God is good and God is capable and that God is in control and his power and his mission will not be stopped. So though you and I tend to get distracted and we don't pay attention to the stories of what God's doing in the world and in our lives and the stories of Scripture, we're not, we can be reminded on Sunday of what God does and how God acts and then the busyness of our lives, the chaos, the, the schedules, the rush to accumulation, the fear of scarcity, the ways in which we shape our lives often drown out the reminders of who God is and how he works. And how easy, how easy is it for us to say we believe in Jesus, but then to be totally unprepared for Jesus to do anything in our lives or in the world? The early church was unprepared for God to come through. Perhaps part of us wrestling with this story is to prepare ourselves a little better, to pay attention to how God works. When you think about your favorite hero stories— Think about the hero stories that shaped you, whether they be movies or characters or actual heroes in real life. Think about those stories that shape you. And, and, and what is it about those stories that evokes great emotion? What is it about those stories that, that gives you a vision of a better way to live in the world? Is it not that they are stories that call you to take great risks and to step into hard times and to trust that your life is not about you, but about something bigger. The best hero stories frame our lives in terms of something bigger happening in the world. So just like the hero stories of the Old Testament, just like the hero stories of the early church, we are reminded that our role is not to be better heroes, not to be more heroic, but that our journey with The Holy Spirit begins with us letting go, letting go of our own abilities to be heroic in our own stories and instead letting Jesus be the hero in our lives. That that Peter is not the hero of this story. We were singing, the band was singing this awesome rocking song a little while ago and said, my feet are on the rock. Peter, Peter's name means the rock, but what we find is Peter isn't actually the rock Jesus is. 
And we are offered new life in Jesus whose death and resurrection on the cross takes away the sting of death so that we don't have to be enslaved to loss and death and brokenness, but we can cling to something bigger and something better. So we can say, yeah, Peter did not want to die. The early church did not want Peter to die. They did not want suffering to continue. And yet, even in the midst of death and suffering, death had no hold on them. And so when the church, both then and now, tells ourselves stories like these, stories about Peter's miraculous rescue, what we are to do is to look back on this story and to realize that, that God may allow us to walk in some hard things and to live in some hard seasons. But those things serve to demonstrate that God will not be stopped and that the hero stories remind us that we can do hard things, but not because we are heroes, not because we are special, but because God is not afraid of hard things. And so we can experience the good of life and the bad of life in light of who God is, not simply in light of how good you and I can be. And because Christ has conquered all things, our lives are not just about the power of our own flesh, but about living as individuals and as the body of Christ into the life of redemption and power, and forgiveness, and love, and beauty that Jesus calls us into, because he is the hero of our story. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you love us and how you come to us in Jesus. I pray for my friends here in this room that as as we gather together as we sing songs of your praise, as we pray together, as we hear your word, that we would not be able to leave here the same, but as we hear the stories of how good you are and how you work in the world, that we would not miss the chance to affirm that you are our hero and that you give us a vision for life that is so much beyond what we can imagine for ourselves. So as we approach this table, help deepen in us our capacity to cling to you, that we would cling to you in all things. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.